Matthew chapter 28, let's look in verse 18. We started on this last Sunday night. It says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. <clears throat> Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, this is known as what we call the Great Commission. It's the commission given to the Lord's church. Last Sunday night we taught he's speaking to his church that he established during his ministry here on earth. And, and the three key points in this is that we're to lead people to Jesus for salvation, that we're to baptize them, and then there were to teach them or to make disciples out of them. And it takes three things to accomplish this, okay? It takes God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. It takes a willing servant who will go and reach. And then it takes a heart that surrendered to Christ, a person who is saved and, and desires to be a disciple. You can't disciple folks if they don't want to be made into disciples. And so when you look at what Jesus is giving here, some of his last words that he's speaking to his church, probably the most important words, some of the most important words before he ascends back into glory. He tells us in a nutshell what the whole purpose of the church and every ministry that we involve ourselves in, the reason that you become a part of it is to do what? Is to make disciples, okay? So that we can make more disciples, so that we can continue to reach. One of the things that we need to understand is, and this includes every single person, okay? If you're a born-again believer, this commission is not given to, you know, just pastors or missionaries. It's not given to uh, a few of uh, people that you want to label as the core in the church. It's given to every single believer in order that you become a disciple and you make a disciple. God wants us to be fruitful and to multiply, okay? And so in this, after teaching on a little bit of the first part last Sunday, this morning I want to look at baptism. We we uh, seem to praise God to baptize usually, you know, at least a couple of times each month, sometimes Every Sunday we've been baptized and I always get a lot of questions and a lot of discussion on baptism. There's a lot of uh, different beliefs on baptism and I want to take God's word here this morning. We're going to kind of slow down. Next few weeks I would rather teach um, uh, more on a teaching level than on a preaching level to you. <clears throat> because here's where I'm at. And when you unite with this church... And, you, and you're a member of this church, then that means you're, you want to be an active part of not only being made a disciple, but to make disciples. And if you're not wanting that, my question is, why in the world would you, why would you unite with this church, right? Because if you're here, well, I'm, I'm not here about being a disciple. I'm here about making a disciple. I'm just kind of here. Then what's the point of you just being here? Uh, if you're if you're a born again believer, this is not a suggestion that Jesus makes. Uh, it's a command that He gives to those who call Him Lord and Savior. So, talking about baptism. So, there's a few things that I want to start off with clarifying. Uh, and look at the scripture. Let the scripture speak. You always base everything that you believe. Based upon the scripture. And if your belief doesn't line up with scripture, you don't twist scripture, you change your belief. And uh, so starting off, you might want to write some down. I'm going to give you several scriptures. Probably won't turn to all of them for time's sake. But you can write them down. You can go back and look at them for yourself. Baptism does not save, nor is it a part of your salvation. 
Okay, baptism does not save, or is it a part of your of, of your uh, salvation? Now, in this passage of scripture, the way Jesus words it, he points out very clearly that prior to baptism is conversion. That's what it's talking about when he said, "Go and make disciples." If you have the King James, it says, "Go ye therefore and teach." All nations, that word teach means to bring them to a place of salvation, to bring them to conversion so that they're born again. And that takes place all throughout the scripture. Anywhere you look, baptism is always uh, a conversion comes prior to baptism. Now, I always like to look at some strongholds that other other uh, faith, I'm going to call it another faith, different denominations, however you want to label it. I want to look at, uh, look in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, because if you talk to... Uh, different ones who hold that baptism saves or baptism is a part of your salvation, they're naturally going to go to Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Um, and a lot of times I want to say when you look at Scripture, okay, because usually there's somebody who's going to pull up one verse here or there that, that you know, has some uh, controversy over the interpretation of it. And, and a lot of times it causes people problems because you go, well, there's, you know, you got these people who have this opinion, these people who have this opinion. So it's not real clear. But when you look at, at scripture as a whole, okay, scripture always unifies and it's always in harmony. And that's why we let scripture interpret scripture. And so if you've got you know, a hundred passages of scripture that teach clearly, and then you've got one verse that we might not totally understand. Why in the world would you cling to one verse? And, but this verse doesn't teach it, but I can see, you know, where people read it and they say, you see what this says, but it doesn't say that. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, Peter is preaching here and he comes in Acts 2.38, or us to look at 2.36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ, Lord and Savior. And now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now they take that and they'll say right there shows that baptism is a part of your salvation. I want want to and I've studied this and I discussed this and I talked to James about this morning. If you don't know James, James is like a guru uh, on Bible and study Greek and that kind of stuff. So I always outside of myself talk to different folks. And and if you look, it says, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. Now, now that word for translated in several other places in the scripture means because of. It's like um, one of the places you look at for God so loved the world. It means because God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And so this here is speaking of because of the remission of sins. That's what takes place at the time that we repent. We turn from our unbelief to Christ Jesus. Okay. And then naturally, here's the thing. Baptism should be the one of the fruits of your salvation. I don't like to stand up here and go, you don't have to be baptized. You don't have to be baptized for your salvation so that you go, okay, I'm not going to be baptized. That's not what Jesus taught. Jesus said and commanded us to be baptism, but it's not the root of your salvation. The root of your salvation is your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. We'll show that, that this morning. Baptism is the fruit of that, your desire to express your heart towards God in obedience and submission to what he has commanded here. And so naturally, baptism follows and goes along with it. However, there's a lot of instances in the, uh, that we can show people are saved, number one. And I know what some, some people will say when you say the thief on the cross. But I'm going to give it 
thief on the cross, and was never baptized, never a church member, never gave, never became a pastor, never, never did anything. He was a great witness, and he still is through his testimony in the scripture. But Jesus said, I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. Some will say, well, that's, that's under the old covenant. That was before Jesus rose again. Salvation is the same from Adam all the way to the last person who receives it. It's by grace through faith in Christ and Christ alone. That picture is shown through the book of Romans. The reason Paul wrote the book of Romans, uh, dealing with Abraham saved by faith, putting his faith and trust in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so those, notice also, it says here in this passage of scripture, verse 41, then those who gladly did what? Received his word. They believed the gospel. They believed on Jesus, were baptized, and that day 3,000 were added unto them. And so you always see that faith in Christ comes first. It's a prerequisite uh, to baptism. If a person does not believe that their heart has not been transformed, then what would be the pic- or what would be the purpose of the picture of baptism? Because baptism is a picture physically of something that's already happened to you spiritually. That's the purpose of an ordinance. Okay, are y'all with me? And so in this, this kind of cuts out all the teaching of if you're holding to your baptism as your salvation, you're lost. Uh, if that's the object of your faith, you say, well, the reason I'm the reason I'm going to heaven because I was baptized. That's not salvation whatsoever. OK, second thing is, if you were baptized as a baby, because there's different uh, faiths that baptize as a as a baby. Uh, how in the world do you come to the knowledge of your sin? How in the world do you come to the knowledge of Christ? How can you repent and turn to Jesus as a baby, so if you flee because I was a baby, I was a small child, you know, my mom and dad had me baptized, you got wet, okay, but it, it didn't change anything you, because nothing that we do on the outward flesh can change anything on the heart, and it's our heart that's deceitfully wicked, dead in our trespasses and sin, and this what needs to be converted, okay? So you can go through the baptism uh, and the baptistry 7,000 times, you can be baptized every day from every kind of denomination when we baptize, and if you have never been converted in your heart to believe on the gospel of Jesus Christ, you are lost and you have no hope unless you turn to Christ, okay? Let it be said that I said that boldly and clearly, okay? Now, let's show you a couple other verses. Now, here's some verses, and I'm not giving them all to you this morning because we don't have two days to go through them. But I want to show you some clear passages of Scripture that show that baptism neither saves nor is it part of the gospel. Now, Romans 1, 16, write this down. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. To, the, to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so we see right there, Paul clearly establishes that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And what brings salvation unto men, okay? 1 Corinthians 1.17, 1 Corinthians 1.17, Paul says, For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. He clearly separates the two. He said, I didn't come to baptize. And that's one of the things that was going on in the church of Corinth at that time was there was division there because some were saying, well, I was baptized of Paul and I was baptized of Apollos and and this person baptized me. So they thought there ought to be hierarchies in the church over who was the one to baptize. And Paul said, if you read chapter one, he said, I thank God I didn't baptize any of you except for Gaius and Crispus and a couple other names that he gave there. He said, for Christ didn't send me to baptize. It's not about baptism. My ministry is not to come and baptize. My ministry ministry is to do what? To preach the gospel, which saves. And so Paul clearly separates the two there in the book of 1 Corinthians. Now also, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 through 4. 
Paul clearly defines what the gospel is. And I'll flip there and turn, I'll turn there and read it to you so I don't miss it. First Corinthians chapter 15, he says this in verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which also you have received, and which you and in which you stand, by which you are also saved, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you have believed in vain. I mean it's just a shallow profession, okay? Verse 3, for I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, that, here's the gospel, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures. That's the gospel. He gives the whole, the full, we don't have a half gospel, that is the full gospel of Jesus Christ. When a person believes, understanding that they're a lost sinner, believe, I believe that Christ, the Son of God, came and died for my sins, representing me on the cross, took my punishment that he was buried and my sins were buried with him. He rose again on the third day declaring the authority over sin, over death, and the, the ability to grant me eternal life. Okay, I believe the gospel. At that moment, that person is born again. Five of y'all agree with that. Okay, And uh, the rest of you might need to be saved. Huh? But here's the thing. We know absolutely. And this is, let me say this this morning. So don't, so don't walk away from here. If you have questions and stuff, go, well, you know, there's, I need more evidence. I can give you a lot of evidence. You're just going to give me a lot of time. And I'll be glad to stay here all day with you. But some of you are going to be griping and complaining about that. But we know absolutely that we're wholly saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. That's the whole purpose for which Paul wrote the book of Romans. Study the book of Romans. No arguing that whatsoever. It's through faith in Christ and Christ alone by God's grace that we're saved. Has nothing to do with anything that we do after it. Okay, To try to keep and to maintain that. That's putting your righteousness uh, on tab with the righteousness of Christ. And he doesn't share that. Think about this. The Ethiopian eunuch. Here's another one. Uh, in Acts chapter 8, remember God sent Philip down to the Ethiopian eunuch. The Ethiopian eunuch had got a scroll. He opened up and he was looking at Isaiah 53. He didn't understand it. Philip come alongside of him. He got up in the chariot with him. He said, do you understand what you're reading? He said, how can I understand unless a man... Uh, teach me. And so all of a sudden Philip takes it. He begins to preach Jesus to him out of Isaiah 53, which, which points out as Christ as the Savior. And the, and the Ethiopian eunuch said, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Is there any reason why I can't be baptized? And Philip's answer was, except you have to believe with all your heart. He said, I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And Philip and him both went down into the water and they baptized him there. And so if there is a prerequisite to baptism and that is the fact of you have to be born again. You have to believe in the gospel. If you don't believe the gospel, there's no point in the baptism because all you're doing is taking a bath and taking up our time, right? Okay. Doesn't change. There is no supernatural transformation that takes place with baptism or with the Lord's Supper. They are church ordinances. Think about this. In the Old Testament, God gave a bunch of different ordinances, pictures is what it is, that teaches a spiritual truth. And that was what, that's what happened with a lot of Israel, okay? They would go through the motions of the ordinances and all the ceremonial, formalistic aspect of it. And God said, in Isaiah chapter 1, you check on me. He said, I'm sick of your new moons and your Sabbath days and, and all your feast days and all this ceremonial stuff that you're going through. I'm sick of it. Quit it. 
He said, because your heart is wicked. He said, come and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, I will make them white as snow. He said, I'm not interested in you just coming to church and getting baptized and taking the Lord's Supper and going through all these things that do nothing for the heart. It's a picture so that you can understand what should already have taken place. So if your hope is in church membership or some kind of ordinance that you're doing to make you right with God, it doesn't make you right with God. Judas was baptized and the Bible clearly says Judas is in hell. Are you all awake? Okay. So we'll move on from there. So what is the purpose? I don't want to just stay there. What is the purpose of baptism? Like I said, it's a pictorial ordinance, okay? <clears throat> God uses ordinances to teach or to be a picture of spiritual truth, not only for saved people, but for the lost. Think about this. Every time that someone is baptized, especially, you know, in our culture, we always do it here in the church, but if you go back in the times of, of the Bible, you go to another country right now, and they're out there baptizing, and people are, are around, and it's in public. That's the point of it. One of the reasons is a public profession. You know, you got lost people going, what, what's going on? What was the purpose of this? And they're sharing the gospel through the whole act of baptism there, and that's one of the purpose of it. But it's a picture that teaches us what takes place at the moment that we believe so that we can grasp it. Now I want you to look real quick in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. And always I say, if anybody has any questions on this, please approach me after church. I would love to sit down and, and answer your questions if at all possible. Romans chapter 6. Verse 1 through 9. Now let me say this. When the Bible uses the word baptism, it's not always in reference to water baptism. Okay? Remember what John taught Matthew chapter 3. He said, Truly I baptize you with water, but there comes one after me who is greater than me. I'm not worthy to unlatch. I'm not quoting, but I'm not unworthy to untie or tie his shoelaces. He will baptize you with fire and the Holy Ghost. And so you got three baptisms right there. The baptism of water which was John's baptism of repentance. You got the baptism of fire, which is God's judgment. And then you got the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is what takes place when a person trusts Christ and is born again. This is in reference to that spiritual baptism in verse 1. He says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Certainly not. How shall we who died to sin live any longer in it? Or do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ... We're baptized into his death. Therefore, we were buried with him through baptism into death. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. For if we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we also shall be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing that our old man was crucified with him, That the body of sin might be done away with that we should no longer be slaves to sin. I'm going to stop right there for just a second now. When you're baptized, he said you're baptized into Christ. He's talking about a spiritual baptism, okay? And that we are baptizing his death. Baptism, part of it is identification. And this takes place. This is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. What actually takes place that you can't see. 
that, that, that the picture of baptism teaches us, okay, so that we can understand what's going on. At the moment that a person believes the gospel is the Holy Spirit's job. That's his work, his place in salvation. And he baptizes us into Christ. We're baptized, okay? That means that I identify with Christ's death. That his death represents my death. Okay, When God saw Jesus on the cross, the Bible said that he sees me, saw me punish my sins in the body of Christ. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20, Paul said, Nevertheless, I am crucified or therefore I am crucified with Christ. So at the point that you're saved, what you're saying is I identify with Christ on the cross as the punishment for my sin so that I can be forgiven. Your sins are buried in Christ. God sees you in Christ. When Christ was in the grave, he saw your sins buried there. Okay, And then that's the, that's the picture of going down into a watery grave. And then the Holy Spirit does what? He is the one who gives us life, raises us to life. It's called the new birth. Jesus said, I say unto you, you must be born again. He's not talking about baptism. He's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit that raises you to life. There's a spiritual resurrection that takes place in you at the moment of salvation, which positionally makes you holy, perfect, and blameless in his sight. Okay? That you are, Ephesians chapter 1, that you are no longer have sins against you, that you have been forgiven. You are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, okay? That's how we have a relationship with God. God sees us in Christ. He doesn't see you separate from Christ. Don't go try to perform for your salvation or to keep up with all these righteous doings that you can do to keep your salvation. Remember what Paul said in Romans chapter 10? I'm giving you a lot, but I got to. Romans chapter 10 The Jews went about to establish their own righteousness. He said the reason that they were lost because they had not submitted to the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus. They didn't want to submit their heart to believe that Christ was their only hope, that he was the Messiah, the Savior. They wanted to go about trying to establish their own righteousness. How? By doing all these ordinances and these good deeds of the law, trying to keep the law. And the Bible said there is no man who's been justified by the deeds of the law. No man trying to keep the law, trying to do good, trying to do these righteous works can never save. It can never justify us in the sight of God. Only what Christ did for us on the cross when we submit. And I'm going to point, point this out in just a second. Okay, When we submit, that's what salvation is. You want salvation explained as simple as possible? It is recognizing I'm a lost sinner. I can't do anything to, to save myself. I can't do anything to be right with God. And God has made a way through what Christ has done for us through his death, burial, and resurrection. Where he said, if you will surrender to me, you submit to my standard of righteousness and I will save you. And when I submit to that to go, I, I believe that Jesus is my Lord. And my Savior, and I'm turning, I'm, the repentance is I turn to Jesus, asking Him to be my Savior, to forgive me of my sins based upon what He has done, not based upon what I can do or will do or ever have done. And at that moment, God, by His grace, grants you eternal life based upon what your object of your faith is. What's the object of your faith this morning? Because if you're sitting here, and I've asked you the question before, and you want to die, you know, today or a hundred years from now, and the Lord, I don't believe He's going to ask you this, but we'll just do this for illustration. Today. If the Lord said, why should I let you in? What would your answer be? If you want to know the object of somebody's faith, ask them that question. Because their answer is their hope. 
And if your answer is something like this, well, because I tried really hard or, you know, I'm a pretty good person or, you know, I quit doing this and I started doing that or I started going to church or I was baptized or because I was a preacher or because I was a deacon or, or because, you know, my mom and dad always took me to church or, you know, I'm not as bad as those people over there. If those are your answers, that is your hope. You have no hope. You have no hope. The object of your faith, your one plea is I plea. Don't just say this because just saying it doesn't cut it. It's where your heart speaks. What is my my hope is? Here, I'll tell you what my answer will be. My plea is the blood of Jesus. That's the only hope that I got. Everything I've got clings to. And if Christ doesn't get me there, I'm not going. But he already promised me he took care of that and I'm, I'm already gone. All right. Now. If you'll, yeah, well, you don't have time this morning because uh, I got to hurry up and I'm almost finished. But I want to say this while we look in Romans chapter 6. You want to do a Bible study that sets you free. You study Romans chapter 6 because what he's saying is there. Your old man is dead. For those of you who struggle with your past and you struggle with how God sees you and you think that God God relates to you according to, well, today I sinned and tomorrow I'm right. To, you know, the next hour I fail and God's angry. The Bible says you are dead and you died with Christ. The Bible says it is appointed unto man once to die. God sees us as already, we're already dead because he sees Christ's death is our death. And now it says we are alive in Christ, forgiven free created in the likeness of him god sees you he sees his son and he says i'm pleased with that you got that yeah. all right man y'all are awakening with it today so we probably want to erase that off the podcast now um here's the thing i want you to get more than anything because a lot of people go well, i just you know if, if salvation or if baptism doesn't have anything to do with my salvation then why would i necessarily need to be baptized and what is the real purpose of it and and that kind of stuff and i really prayed and dug in this week to go god what is what is the purpose of baptism because you can look there were certain people in the bible that they were baptized and there was a bunch of people there like the day of pentecost and then you got the ethiopian eunuch man maybe there was a handful of people and he was baptized and and when paul's baptized there was only a handful of people you go so so what's the thing because it's obviously not just all about you know a public profession where there has to be a bunch of people on a Sunday morning and 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 so here's what I come up with when my wife had her 50th birthday last week 40 43 it don't matter she's 50 she's she's beautiful to me and uh, so so when my wife's birthday came along I got her gifts and I got her flowers and that's why I can say what I just said all right so so what was the purpose of me going and doing those things and bringing those things? Because it's an expression of my love towards her. It's not my love. Because here's the thing. Those flowers are already wilting. Okay? Cheap flowers. And they're already wilting. And the presents, the gifts, they're going to fade away. You know, they're going to fall apart, rot, whatever whatever it is she, she, you know, she chooses to do with it. Maybe lose them, end up in the goodwill. I don't know. So that's not my love. It's just an expression of my love. You got the point? Because love is something we can't see. It's something that we have to express in order if it's going to be seen. And that's exactly what baptism is. Baptism is an expression of my heart, a new heart towards God. And if my heart has been transformed, then what it expresses is this. When you look at what Jesus said in Matthew 28, he said, Baptize them what? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Now that's talking about authority there. 
And what salvation is, is a submission to a different authority. Before you're saved, you're under the authority of sin. You are sin slave. If you don't know Christ here this morning, okay, you've never been born again. You are a slave of sin under the authority of Satan. You can't stop sinning. You don't want to stop sinning. Okay, You're bound by that sin and you're condemned because of that sin. At the moment that I'm born again, I am under a total different authority. I'm submitting my heart, my life, and my will to God's authority. And so, number one, when I'm baptized, I'm expressing, Lord, I have submitted to the Father's way of salvation. That it's only through Christ, it's only by faith in Christ that I can be saved. There's no other way of salvation. And so I'm submitted to that. I'm also submitted to Jesus as my Lord and Savior. That's what my heart expresses. Third thing is I'm submitted to the Holy Spirit's work in my heart. Okay. That I'm yielded to that. So what happens if you're not yielded? Then he'll get you yielded because he loves you enough to do that. That's his work in transforming us and conforming us into the image of Christ. And the, and the fourth thing is I'm submitted to the authority of God's word in my life. That's why Jesus commanded I command you to be baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. So here's the thing. For someone to be saved and not desire baptism, not want to be baptized, or to go, "Ah, I'm just not going to be baptized, my question would be, has your heart truly been transformed? Because it kind of goes hand in hand, wouldn't you agree? You're not going to show me anywhere in the Scripture where it doesn't go hand in hand, where it's like, well, no, I'm not going to be baptized. And... Everywhere in the scripture that we see a person who does believe and their heart is made new, the next thing you see that they're being baptized. Why? Because they're recognizing that, God, you've transformed my heart. You are the Lord. I'm submitting to your command to be baptized. I want everybody else to know as an expression of my heart that I have identified with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And and through baptism, I'm going to show this and I want to identify. And here's the last thing I want to give you. Okay, when you're baptized, what you're saying is, I am identifying with the faith and the practices of this church that's baptizing me. So when you look at that, you got to say, because I've had people, let me answer this question real quick. I've had people say when they come here and maybe they they come from a uh, church of a different faith. I'm going to clarify, not just because you say you're a church doesn't mean that you're a, a scriptural New Testament church. This is probably stir some good stuff this morning. You can take it up with me afterwards, not in an argumentative way. But if you, we, we studied this last Sunday night, if you change the gospel, if you add to the gospel, this will get us labeled. It will get me labeled. Now, most of you agree with me on this. If you say, well, in order to be saved, you have to believe how Christ died for your sins, buried, rose again, you have to trust in Jesus, and... You have to be baptized, and you have to take the Lord's Supper, and you have to be a member of this certain church, and you have to give evidence to the speaking in tongues, which is not scriptural, and you have to do this, and you have to do that. You just changed the gospel. You just perverted the gospel of Jesus Christ, and in that, God does not recognize you as a scriptural New Testament church. Let it be said, I boldly say that, and can stand on the scripture in that. So not every denomination God recognizes as a local New Testament church. Let me also say this. There's some Baptist churches out here that's whacked out and has no clue just because the name says Baptist doesn't make you scriptural when you don't align with the scripture. 
So I'm not just saying only Baptists, okay? I know other churches and I have people, listen to me, I have people, friends, and, and all different kind of denominations that I know and believe by the fruit of their life, by what they believe that they are truly born again. I believe they're being taught some false teaching and they're in the bondage of that false teaching. But when you go saying... Well, if you haven't given evidence or you haven't or you haven't been baptized or you're not taking the Lord's Supper every week or you're not a church member or these things, then you're not saved. Then I would say then you are a false teacher is what I would say if you believe and hold to that according to the scripture. And so Christ gave the authority to baptize to a scriptural New Testament church. So if you come here and you say, well, we're coming from a different church, I'm not going to say, well, I don't believe you're saved. And I'll, I'll go ahead and use it. This play. Nah, I better not use that. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and use it. Okay, I'm going to say, well, for what it is. Now, I'm not talking about, let me say this. I'm not talking about individual people. I'm not talking about if you go to these churches that you're lost. I'm not saying none of that. So don't say I said it. What I am saying is the teachings and the doctrines of church, of this church, and I'll stand on all day long, is absolutely wrong. So now I'm free to say what I'm going to say. If it offends you, please come to me afterwards and we'll get either over it or we'll get, get gone. Church of Christ. <gasps> Can you believe you said that? Church of Christ. Not all Church of Christ, but most Church of Christ believe that you have to be baptized. Baptism is for your salvation. That you have to take the Lord's Supper on a regular basis in order to maintain your salvation. That you have to be a member of a Church of Christ. You know, they don't, they don't like to tell I'm going to tell you what I believe. A lot of times they want to keep it quiet. But they'll tell you right up quick. They'll call you brother, but they'll tell you behind closed doors. If you're not a member of the Church of Christ, you're going to hell. That's what they'll tell you. Test me and see and ask them, okay? And so in that, when you do that, okay, I'm not saying that there's people in, everybody in church of Christ is lost. I'm not saying that at all. But if you come here and say, well, you want, we want to unite with Cedar Creek, I'm going to ask you, okay, where were you baptized? Well, I was baptized church of Christ. Uh, uh, not only I, but we as a church do not recognize the authority of that baptism because they do not preach the true gospel. And so God didn't give them authority to baptize, okay? And so therefore what you're saying is, and we've rebaptized a bunch of folks, the point is, what you're saying is, through my baptism, doesn't mean it has anything to do with your salvation, is I agree with the faith and teachings of this church. And I'm identifying with that through baptism. Why were people baptized of John? John preached the baptism of repentance. What they were saying was, I agree with what John's saying. Why was Jesus baptized? He wasn't, he wasn't, had nothing to do with salvation. He was perfect. He was the son of God. The reason that he was baptized was because he was identifying with what John the Baptist was saying, that he was the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. And he identified with the teaching of John. He was identified by the Father when he said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. He was identified by the Holy Spirit who descended on him as a dove. He was identified by John the Baptist when he said, this is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so when you're baptized, you're identifying identifying with what that church who baptized you is teaching. And if it teaches a false gospel, what kind of baptism is that? And I know what you're going to say. Some of you are going to say, well, my baptism is between me and the Lord. No, it's not. It absolutely is not. Your salvation is between you and the Lord. If your baptism was just between you and the Lord, go out and dip yourself in a pond by yourself. But for some reason, God gave that authority to the church to baptize you just like you can't save yourself, you can't baptize yourself. And it's a picture that when I or whoever baptized you in this church or whatever church you're baptized in, it's a picture of your surrendering, this can upset some folks, to the authority of that church over your life as a disciple of Jesus Christ. 
You're saying, I agree with this church and I'm surrendered to the authority of this church. There's a lot of things that baptism teaches and pictures more than just one thing. So I don't like the church having authority. If the church doesn't have authority, then how can it discipline its members, which is absolutely, totally scriptural. The church does have authority over me. Even as a pastor, I have no authority. I'm under the authority of this church to disciple, to to correct, to encourage, to edify, to build up, to equip, under worship, under everything else. That's not politically correct, but that's Bible. And that's what I'm about. And so in closing this morning, this is what I would say. Maybe you're here this morning and you listened to this and you thought, you know, all these years I thought because when I was a little kid that I was, you know, baptized that I'm good to go. Will you please show me that in the scripture? Any, you or anybody else. I'm not being ugly. I'm just saying, if you'll show me that, I'll preach it. But you're not going to show it to me. Your salvation is based upon this. At one point in time, I heard the gospel message. Recognizing through the conviction of the Holy Spirit that I Catch that dude. That I was a it don't bother me at all. That I was a lost sinner. And that I have no hope. What did you obscure? What, what did you repent and turn to? I repented and I turned to Jesus. Why? Because I believe what the Bible says that He died for my sin, He was buried and rose again, and I called upon the Lord to save my soul and to take away my sin. And at that moment, God does that. At that moment. Okay? If you've never submitted yourself to Him as your Lord and Savior, then why not do that today? You don't have to walk an aisle. I'm not asking you to walk. If you want to walk an aisle, great. But walking this aisle no more saves you than walking out in the parking lot. God wants to meet you right where you are. And if you want to come here and pray, just like, say, I want to bow down. That's an expression of your heart towards God. That's great. Bow where you are. Bow here. I'll pray with you. I'm not going to pray for you. But I'll pray with you, okay? And the point is, when you come to that place where you know right now where you're sitting, I'm lost and I need a Savior, then, then trust Christ right now, right where you're sitting, okay? And then make it publicly known. That's the only purpose of walking out. I want everybody to know that I've trusted Christ as my Savior. I want to submit to baptism as an expression of my heart towards God. I want to be a part of this church so y'all can disciple me, okay, so that I can go out and I can make other disciples. And maybe you're here and you say, I've never been scripturally baptized. When I look at what the scripture teaches on that, you know, I was, you know, I'm baptized by whoever, whenever, for whatever, you know, this and that, and, and I need to be scripturally baptized. Don't feel like you're alone because 80% of the people sitting here have been baptized scripturally later on after they got saved and they figure out, you know what, when I was baptized, there was nothing scriptural about it. But I do want to say, make no mistake, your baptism will not save you. So whatever background you've got, all I ask is that you base it on, not on what Brother Randall says and not on what Brother whoever says. But you take God's word and go, God, I want you to show me according to the scripture what the Bible says that I'm basing my salvation on. Because wouldn't it be a horrific thing for you to stand before the Lord and have mistaken that the object of your faith was in some church ceremony rather than what Christ did for you? Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? Let's have a word of prayer. Father God, just bow before you this morning. And Lord, I know that a lot of things that we look at um, are hard teachings, or it seems to be, because we live in such a fluffy, politically correct society today that doesn't want to stand on truth to say some people are lost and going to go to hell and some people are saved. 
But God, we know your word clearly says that. We also know your word clearly says that there is one way of salvation. It's a straight and a narrow way. And that way is through Christ and Christ alone. God, I just pray that we would set down a spirit of pride. That we wouldn't let anything hinder us from responding to your voice. And if there's someone here this morning, God, that recognizes their lost condition. Lord, not not for the church's sake. Lord, not for my sake, but God, for their sake and for your glory, that they would just surrender their heart right where they are right now to receive the grace that you offer freely through what you have done for us on the cross. Father, I pray, God, that we would be a church who stands for truth, Lord. And if and if that offends, God, not that we try to, but Lord, uh, I guess I, it just offends. Uh, Lord, I just pray that we would do everything in, in grace and truth, uh, Lord, in love. But God, may we always stand for truth. And Lord, may we submit to the authority of your word in that. We pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.